the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Earnestly seek to commend yourself to God as an approved worker who has nothing to be ashamed of, handling the word of truth with precision. We're glad you're joining us for today's program, A Word from the Word, with your host, Pastor Tom, who will unpack for us the richness and beauty of the Bible's original languages as they bear on key words and concepts from both Testaments. Our hope is that your walk with God will be strengthened and deepened, and both your understanding and application of God's Word will be enriched, and you'll be drawn to love it more and more each day. And now, here's Pastor Tom. Hello, friends. Thanks for joining me on A Word from the Word. Today, part 10 in our series, Our Faith, What Will Others See in 2023, will be the first segment of a two-part conclusion to our theme. Today and next session's title is Leaping Over Barriers and Equipping Ourselves. Friends, we've spent nearly three months meticulously examining key people and topics in Matthew, Luke, and John, parts of the Book of Acts, and several of Paul's letters, Romans, 2 Corinthians, and Ephesians. Next time in our concluding second session, our program will function like an on-air workshop. I'll coach and equip us all on how to respond to people's common objections and excuses for not taking God in the Bible seriously. So, friends, plan on tuning in next time as well for the finale or catch the podcast at faithtalk1360.com. And please take advantage of all the podcasts in this series. Re-listen to them as a personal Bible study or as a small group study with friends. This will help you become more fully equipped to confidently build bridges to people in your relationship circles so they can witness your faith in both words and deeds. Recall I've said that in the midst of our everyday lives and routines, our faith has ample opportunities to shine so that people around us will see Jesus in us. Well, friends, on to today's session. I'm sure you're familiar with the who or what am I scenarios, you know, having fun guessing who or what is the I in a particular story. So today I'm going to start part 10 with a who am I dialogue. You say you'll never forget where you were when you heard the news on September 11th, 2001. I, too, was on the 110th floor in a smoke-filled room with a man who called his wife to say goodbye. I held his fingers steady as he dialed. I gave him the peace to say, "'Honey, I'm not going to make it, but it's okay. I'm ready to go.' I was also there with his wife when he called as she was feeding breakfast to their children. I held her up as she tried to understand his words and realized he wasn't coming home that night.' 
I was there at the base of the building with the minister as he comforted the injured and devastated souls. I brought him home to heaven. He heard my voice and answered. I was even on all four of those planes, in each seat, with each prayer. I was with the crew as they were overtaken. I was in the very hearts of the believers there, comforting them and assuring them their faith had saved them. I was in Texas, Kansas, and London, too. I was standing next to you when you heard the news. Did you sense me? I saw each face. I knew each name, though not all of them knew me. Some met me for the first time on the hundredth floor. Some sought me out in their last breath. Some couldn't hear me calling through the smoke and the flames. Come to me, this way, take my hand. Some chose for their last time to ignore me. But I was there. I didn't put you in the tower that morning. You may not know why, but I do. Suppose you were there on that fateful morning. Would you have reached for me? September eleventh, two 2001 was not the end of your journey, but someday your earthly journey will end, and I'll be there for you too. Seek me now while I may be found. Then at any given moment you can say with assurance, I'm ready to go. So who am I? And friends, I'll give the answer at the end of the program. Friends, throughout our series, we've gained new insights as we've observed Jesus and the Samaritan woman, Philip and the Ethiopian, the good Samaritan and the man beaten and left for dead, Paul and Silence and the Philippian jailer, as well as additional insights from Paul. We watched Jesus in action as he reached out and touched the Samaritan woman at the well, as he fed over 5,000 people on one occasion, and as he related a story we now typically call the Good Samaritan. We observed Philip, whose availability resulted in an Ethiopian eunuch being introduced to faith. We watched how a frightened jailer in Philippi was introduced to faith by Paul and Silas. During this journey through Scripture, we identified a common thread of characteristics running through these various encounters with people who came face to face with faith through God's available, loving channels at God-engineered moments in their lives. These common characteristics included making oneself available, and not just passively available, but actively available, recognizing stepping stones to final faith, and creating a desire or hunger for spiritual knowledge, being patient with people, asking questions, being straightforward yet tactful, seeing beyond a person's immediate need, yet meeting that immediate need as a bridge to bring the answer to their spiritual need, being a person of prayer, and therefore being sensitive to the Holy Spirit's voice, and lastly, feeling compassion and showing love. And speaking of love, we gain further insight by unpacking biblical love, this agape, and underscored what it meant to love with the love of God, according to the Bible's definition. We also elaborated on grace for the express purpose of distinguishing between mere humanitarian relief efforts and Christian ministry. Our guiding principle has been this four-pronged ministry mantra, ministry takes place when divine resources meet human needs through loving channels to the glory of God. As such, Christian ministry brings an element into the equation of human needs that mere humanitarian relief efforts do not. 
Christian ministry brings grace to people. In the last few installments, we revealed three keys to paving the way for faith, intercessory prayer, building bridges, and confronting people. In our last session, friends, I expanded on key number two, building bridges. I suggested that our common life experiences, both pleasant and unpleasant, may be organized around Paul's statement in Romans 12:15. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Here we learn that these common life experiences may be separated to form a left and right half of a wagon wheel, with us in the hub and the spokes of the wheel extending outward, identifying these common life experiences. Well, today, friends, in the first half of our series conclusion, I'll elaborate on key number three, confronting people. Remember, key number three, confronting people, presupposes we've already been active in key number one, intercessory prayer, and key number two, building bridges. Now, I suspect that if we were all completely honest, we'd agree that one of the strongest barriers to sharing our faith, if not the strongest one, is fear, either fear of being rejected or fear of failing. By that, I mean fear of not knowing how to answer or respond to someone's questions or objections. And let me just say this, friends. One of my greatest paralyzing fears was being approached by Mormon missionaries, people dressed neatly in those white shirts and ties, riding bicycles and knocking on our door until I attended a conference on Mormonism and learned that these missionaries have only been trained for two years. Next time in the second session, our on-air workshop, we'll learn ways to sharpen our skills to respond to people's questions and objections to our Christian faith in the Bible. So friends, before we plunge into our detailed look at overcoming barriers and equipping ourselves, let's observe a masterful missionary evangelist in action and see what we can learn from him. We'll look at Acts 17, 16 through 34. But before we do, I'd like to briefly walk us through the Apostle Paul's itinerary up to this point. Two sessions ago, we looked at Acts 16, and particularly Paul and Silas's adventure with the Philippian jailer. Apparently, Paul and Silas's first three converts were this jailer, Lydia, a seller of purple, and a demon-possessed slave girl. Imagine these three being the charter members of your church. Well, according to chapter 16, verse 40, Paul and Silas stayed long enough to encourage these new believers and then journeyed on to Thessalonica, where there was a synagogue. According to the opening verses of chapter 17, on three separate occasions, Paul shared his faith in the Sabbath service with the Jews, reasoning from the Hebrew scriptures that Jesus was their Messiah. This resulted in a mob forming against him and his troop, and soon the city was in an uproar, forcing the local authorities to step in. Paul and Silas had to be whisked away to safety to Berea, but when the Jews who stirred the pot in Philippi heard they were moved to Berea, they pursued them and agitated the Bereans. Here is where we enter the story, Acts 17, verse 16. And friends, listen carefully as we hear these verses. Let's be keenly aware of how Paul chooses to build a bridge and connect with this particular audience to share his faith. While Paul was waiting for Silas and Timothy at Athens, his spirit was being provoked within him 
as he was observing this city full of idols. Now I have to pause here because here's another case where our English translations make a valiant attempt to communicate what Paul was truly feeling inside. The Greek New Testament has his spirit was being aroused within him. This idea of being aroused carries with it aroused to anger, being irritated, emotionally provoked or upset. We could even say Paul was incited to righteous anger. Does this tell us anything, friends? In light of all we've been studying? Doesn't this inform us that Paul was sensitized to the promptings of the Holy Spirit? His spiritual antennae were up. He knew how to listen to the Spirit's voice. In in verse 16, we also have the word observe, as Paul was observing this city full of idols. This is another rich and vibrant word. It carries with it the idea of gazing, looking with interest and for a purpose, and it includes the careful observation of details. This word appears again in verse 22. Well, the text continues. Paul was reasoning in the synagogue with the Jews and the God-fearing Gentiles and in the marketplace every day with those who happened to be present. And also some of the Epicureans and Stoic philosophers were disputing with him. Some were saying, what would this idle babbler wish to say? Others, he seems to be a proclaimer of strange deities because he was preaching Jesus and the resurrection. And they took him and brought him into the Areopagus or hill of Ares, saying, may we know what this new teaching is, which you are proclaiming for you are bringing some strange things to our ears. So we want to know what these things mean. Now all the Athenians and the strangers visiting there used to spend their time in nothing other than telling or hearing something new. So Paul stood in the midst of the Areopagus and said, Men of Athens, I observe, and here's the second use of the word, I observe that you are very religious in all respects. And here, friends, Paul means religious in a complimentary way. For while I was passing through and examining the objects of your worship, I also found an altar with this inscription, To an unknown God. Therefore, what you worship in ignorance, this I proclaim to you. And by the way, Paul's use of ignorance here is not meant derogatorily. The word merely means without knowledge. It's actually where we get our English word agnostic. And now here comes Paul's proclamation, his sermon, if you will. The God who made the world and all things in it, since he is Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands, nor is he served by human hands, as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all people life and breath and all things. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined their appointed times and the boundaries of their habitation, that they would seek God, if perhaps they might grope for him and find him though he is not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and exist, as even some of your own poets have said, for we also are his children. Being then the children or offspring of God, we ought not to think that the divine nature is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by the art and thought of man." Therefore, having overlooked the times of ignorance, God is now declaring to men that all people everywhere should repent, because he has fixed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness through a man whom he has appointed, having furnished proof to all by raising him from the dead. Now when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some began to sneer, but others said, 
we shall hear you again concerning this. So Paul went out of their midst. But some men joined him and believed, among whom also were Dionysius the Areopagite, and a woman named Damaris, and others with them. Well, let's pause here for a moment, friends. If you tuned in late, you're listening to A Word from the Word with me, your host, Pastor Tom. I want you to know how valuable you are as listeners to A Word from the Word, which is fully listener-supported. Your financial partnership keeps this program on the air, which disciples many Christians without a church home, plus those of you who may have been wounded by the institutional church. Join forces with me and A Word from the Word by emailing me for support details at a word from the word at minister.com we'll repeat this at the end of the program now friends since paul used observant twice in today's text it prompted me to think of a few questions do we observe the people around us in our circles of relationships do we look at people's lives with interest and for a purpose do we carefully observe the details of people's lives for the express purpose of seeing how we might meet an immediate need and in so doing build a bridge to them? Because, friends, haven't we been learning that ministry takes place when divine resources meet human needs through loving channels to the glory of God? Now, I want us to observe from today's text that Paul was reasoning in the synagogue in the marketplace, and in the Areopagus, with whomever happened to be there. In other words, Paul made himself available. And not just passively available, but actively available. He intentionally went to the common gathering places of his day, and left himself open to be used by the Lord to touch others with his faith. Personally, I think Paul understood full well the statement I've been pulling out periodically in this series. When Jesus becomes Lord of our lives, we forfeit forever the right to choose whom we will love. Friends, I have no doubt Paul relied on this sovereign hand of God in all his encounters and engaged anyone who'd listened to him. He was not prejudiced, or did he show partiality. Now, it would be helpful for us to understand who these Epicurean and Stoic philosophers were. The Epicureans were the ancient equivalent to our modern connoisseurs of the finer things in life. Food, drink, pleasures, etc. Epicurus was a Greek philosopher who held that the goal in life was serenity of mind and enjoying moderate pleasures. So the Epicureans were the refined of society, the uppity-ups, as I say. Stoicism was philosophy that everything is governed by unwavering natural law and that the goal in life was to pursue virtue alone, indifferent to the external world around us, including emotions and passions. So these Stoicists were the more rigid, logical, emotionless people in society. The spiritual connection here, friends, is that Paul was able to engage the philosophers and intellectuals of his day. He was a keen observer of the language of his culture and could feel the pulse. Well, back in verse 22, Paul stood in their midst and said, You must be born again. No. Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. No. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved? Nope. Instead, Paul said, Men of Athens, I observe that you are very religious in all respects. For while I was passing through and examining the objects of your worship, 
Notice, friends, Paul took an interest in the details of their religion. He familiarized himself with their objects of worship. This equipped him to find a bridge to communicate to them the essence of the gospel. Remember, today's session is called Leaping Over Barriers and Equipping Ourselves. In verse 23, Paul said, What you worship in ignorance, this I proclaim to you. Notice Paul was straightforward, yet tactful. He recognized stepping stones to final faith. Notice no reference to Messiah here. No quoting of Hebrew scriptures here. No use of distinctively Jewish terminology either. In fact, friends, in verse 24, Paul is careful to use the secular or pagan Greek word for God, which Christ followers lifted out of their cultural toolbox and elevated it to mean the one true and living God, the God of the Hebrews. Also in verse 24, Paul says, This God does not dwell in temples made with hands. Athens was the site of the Parthenon, the temple dedicated to the virgin Athena, the goddess of wisdom in the arts. In verse 27, Paul says, This God is not far from each one of us. Here, Paul is actually paraphrasing Deuteronomy 4.7 and Jeremiah 23.23, 23, combining two scriptural readings into a single sentence, yet not quoting them directly. In verse 28, Paul says, For in him, the God he's proclaiming, we live and move and exist. Here it's even more evident that Paul made himself familiar with the pagan literature of his day and quoted their literature as part of his gospel presentation. Here's one more way he equipped himself and made himself ready to build a bridge to people in his first century Greco-Roman pagan culture. Finally, in verse 34, we see the fruit of his labor. Some believed. Amazing. And without using the word Jesus, without using the word Christ, without quoting any messianic prophecies. Well, friends, can you tell what I see as the challenge that lies before us today as Christ followers in our culture? To be equally attentive, active, and available to the Lord and engage each person and life situation with a spirit of boldness and not timidity or fear. And this brings us full circle to what I said earlier. One of the strongest barriers to overcome is the fear factor. And friends, it would be helpful for us to realize that fear is an emotion, an instinct we've been given by God as a protective mechanism against danger. It will also help to realize that the Bible distinguishes between appropriate fear and avoidable fear. Appropriate fear is expressed in the Bible as the fear of God or reverent awe, amazement. It's a healthy fear, one which acknowledges the awesomeness and power of God. Avoidable fear is the fear that immobilizes us and makes us cowardly or timid. It causes us to not act or move forward at the Holy Spirit's promptings. This is the fear we need to gain victory over. Second Timothy 1.7 puts it this way, For God has not given us a spirit of fear or cowardice, but of power and love and sound judgment. Back in 1995, Kathy Tricoli sang a song, May I Be His Love. Here are some of the lyrics. Sometimes I can say all the wrong words. Sometimes I think of only me. I know that my pride can hide the tenderness that longs to show I care. I want to live my life for His glory and to hold His word here in my heart, to let His Spirit fill me 
every part, so I'll leave him everywhere. May I be his love for you? May I lift your eyes toward heaven? May I come to you and lead you to his light? May I cry his tears for you? May I be the place that you can run to where you'll hear his voice and see him in my eyes all your life? May I be his love? And I know that only when I follow him can I begin to love. Amen. Amen. Well, friends, we're at the end of our program. So who am I from our opening scene? Jesus through the Holy Spirit. A fitting question for us, right? Where's our ministry of presence? Where are we when others face challenges? Are we loving channels through whom God shows his love? Well, next time in our workshop finale, we'll learn in more detail how to equip ourselves to respond to people's excuses and objections to faith in the Bible. Here are a few teasers. I'm a good person. If God is a God of love, how can he send people to hell? There are too many hypocrites in the church, and Jesus is just one way to God. So pray for those around you that the Holy Spirit shows you natural and creative ways to share your faith without fear. A listener wrote in on part six, letting God's grace flow through us with great food for thought. May we continue to use God's grace to reach others he puts in our path. If we're at a loss on how to proceed, the Holy Spirit will always guide in the right direction. Well, thank you for your feedback. We'll close with an email where you may write me. I love coming alongside you who are without a church home and those of you who may have been wounded by the institutional church. Podcasts are at faithtalk1360.com under local program podcasts. Also, Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And through my friends and partners at christianbody.net, a word from the word broadcasts to over 70 countries. Friends, join our mission and invest in the ministry of a word from the word in 2023. Help us become fully funded. Listeners like you, keep a word from the word on the air. Well, thanks for listening today, friends. And remember, Jesus loves you. I'm Pastor Tom with a word from the word. Friends, if you would like to let Pastor Tom know what this program has meant to you, email him at a word from the word at minister.com. That's a word from the word at minister.com. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.